Speaking of diarrhea, Tucker Carlson of Fox News, <laughs> yesterday, we learned that the, um, the Department of Energy, you probably know about this, believes with what they described as low confidence that COVID may have leaked from a lab in China. Eight federal agencies now have weighed in with their assessments. Four believe COVID came from natural transmission. Two say it was a lab leak, and two are still undecided. In other words, we don't know. But the dingbats now see this as some kind of proof that they were right, that the virus came from a Chinese leak at a laboratory, which, by the way, it might have. The point is, we didn't know then. We still don't know now. But what we did know is that Trump and his buddies blaming the Chinese resulted in a great deal of anti-Asian American sentiment and even violence in this country. And that's why it was irresponsible for the president to call it the China virus. Trump unleashed this xenophobia. He, st he stopped allowing Chinese people to come to the country. He then started calling it the... Um, don't even don't say, say it. Don't yeah, even he say called it. it he was something, just being... And he kept on saying, yeah. China, China, and doing yeah. this thing yeah. where I was even concerned as someone who had lost family members right. for Manny to even bring it up. And that is really sad. The last guy before Biden said anything about this, he made it about Asian people. And I'm sure John Stewart didn't realize that that's what was happening because I'm sure he didn't know what was going on all over the country with Asian folks getting smacked and hit and people saying stuff to them about bringing the disease here. I mean, this was, this was what was happening. And if you know who had not started it with that, had he not made it about that, had he said, listen, this might have come out of a lab, it probably would have been listened to a lot different. So uh, as you note, Brett, uh, the FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard for a very special live to tape is, uh, episode here of Human Events Sunday special. We're very excited. We're here at CPAC on the sidelines, the very same set for Real America's Voice, where we're doing War Room. We're doing all the shows this week. And I'm very, very delighted and honored and privileged to have with me here both the great Natalie Winters and Libby Emmons, who was just named Editor-in-Chief of Human Events. Guys, That's thank you so right. much That's for being right. here. Thank you, and congratulations thank to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's you really know, You know, pleasure. Natalie, I've been telling Steve that, uh, you know, you actually got your start, if I remember correctly, as a human events writer. I did. I think I published two or three articles mm -hmm. there while it was under the control of the wonderful Raheem That's Kassam right. yes. and I think Will Chamberlain. Um, but then obviously... Things, things, things happen. Yeah, there was some turnover, and now and here we are. Now here there we are. And now, now that Libby's in charge, that's why I keep saying Natalie Winters, the once and future, <laughs> once and future uh, investigative journalist for Human Events. So we'll we'll, we'll talk to, we'll talk great. to Steve about your contract. <laughs> you know, the first article I ever published it was oh. called "The Weaponization of Media," wow. and I feel like, and that was, gosh, three years ago. And that's what. We and live now. In. Weaponization is like the word of the year. Well, the well reason, yeah, we have like a there's a so congressional perfect. committee there's on the weaponization so of government. I called it. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, though, and, and we're going to talk about Wuhan in a second because I want to respond to Director Ray's comments. But if you look at the impact of your journalism for and for the audience out there, it, you just had your birthday. I know you said it publicly, so I'm not putting you on the spot. You're doxing me. Natalie, which birthday did you just have? 
I just turned the big 22 in the words of Taylor Swift. 22. So Congratulations. At, at 22, you've had more impact on journalism than mo in your journalism than most of the people that go to 10 years of journalism school that start out as like the little staff writer it at the Times or wherever they are. Guess what? They would kill to have a congressional committee based off of their work. They would kill to be able to interview the people you've interviewed, to be able to be just on shows with the people that you were on with. They never raise up to that level. But because they have this imprimatur of being with the New York Times or the Washington Post, that suddenly we give them all this flex. And so I want to talk about the issue that, that presents itself before us today, that finally, after three years of the war room, of us just pounding this down, you going through receipt by receipt, day by day, coming up with the names of every, you know, digging through LinkedIn to find the, uh, you know, who's involved with the Chinese Communist Party. Finally, the words that emanate from the mouth of director of the FBI, he admits it, that Wuhan was in fact behind COVID-19. How does it feel to be validated on such a high level? Well, thank you for your very kind words. And I'm very fortunate to work with wonderful people like yourself and Steve, who've been just such amazing mentors, but, but colleagues and friends. Um, but it really is amazing, I think, what we have uncovered about Wuhan. And people always say to me, uh, some of the mainstream media detractors, you know, say, Natalie, you never got your master's in, you know, Chinese studies. You right. never went to journalism school. Right. And while I think it's easy to mock the institutions because you are right, they don't confer any knowledge. I, having just graduated from the University of Chicago, I really didn't learn anything. I just learned stuff that I had to unlearn. Um, but I think there's something more nefarious going on with these institutions, and it sort of dovetails with my reporting and I think why there was such a massive cover-up campaign about the origins of COVID. Because it's not just that you go to these schools, right, these journalism schools at these prestigious universities and get indoctrinated by, you know, I would argue kind of the far-left woke ideology. But you get indoctrinated by the Chinese Communist Party. The CCP has poured millions, tens of millions of dollars, I would argue hundreds of millions of dollars into some of America's most premier and prestigious universities. And I always say the CCP is not a silent investor. Uh, they're not like Americans and how we conduct foreign policy where we just give Ukraine, you know, billions of dollars in exchange for basically nothing. Which we're going to be talking about in a second. Yes, good tee up. Um, but in exchange for this money, they want to pump out experts who you see every day on the mainstream media um, who defend the Chinese Communist Party. Sometimes it's explicit, but it's also more implicit, too. Well, remember, we're all xenophobes. We're all racist. We're all Nazis because exactly. we had the temerity to call out the Chinese Communist Party, Shi Jung Lee, the Bat Lady. I remember, wait, we'll, we'll feel back to the curtain here a little bit. <laughs> I can remember getting a call from Natalie Winters right before you dropped your, your first ever article, or I guess you were gonna do a, come on War Room about it, and you were like, Jack, how do I say this name? <laughs> Is it Shi Hey, I always have to have my facts Jung, right, because if not, know. the fact checkers will like do a story. Natalie Winters mispronounces, but you know what's they so funny? They did that to me with Ron Clay once, actually. Remember, the fact but, checkers used to use Wuhan Institute of Virology researchers to correct my articles. Right. And I told Alan Duke, he's the CEO and editor-in-chief of Lead Stories on War Room, I said, how is that not a conflict Which, of interest? by the way, go back and watch the struggle Amazing. session. The classic, was it, it was like the 4th of July, right? Last year, I think it was two years around ago, there, maybe, yeah. Where it's me, Natalie Winters, Raheem Kassam, and Alan Duke, and we just put him through a struggle session of his own words. he's funded by TikTok. He's funded by the Chinese his Communist Party. words and actions. There's a lot of that going around, by the way. Um, and the, this idea, though, that they're finally admitting the things that we've all known, that we've all said, that we're just calling it out like it is, I have to put it this way. I think, 
and, and it's, it's interesting because for me, my focus when I was in the Navy, when I was living in China, my focus has always been the CCP for years and years and years and years. I was like the guy in the corner saying, yeah, I, I think Iraq is whatever, but, you know, the CCP thing is kind of growing. We should be careful. We should do something about that. We should take notice. And they say, ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. Just go write your report, sit in the corner, you know, learn your Mandarin, whatever. Nobody cares. That won't be useful. So, okay. You know, see, they're building these islands, and now they're weaponizing the islands, and they're stealing our trade routes. Like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, that eventually, they are turning on them, but there's an interesting piece, because what do you not hear Chris Ray talk about in that clip? You don't hear him say the name Peter Doshak. You don't hear him talk about Ralph Barrick. You don't hear him talk about EcoHealth Alliance. And he certainly doesn't talk about the fact that there were elements of the U.S. government that were involved in this gain-of-function research that ultimately led specifically on the humanized wife portion, uh, humanized mice portion of this, where it's gotten its humanized wife is a different story. Um, that this was their contribution to the research, yet all of that is covered up. It's also really interesting because Chris Ray used a word that you don't typically hear when the establishment comes out to support the lab leak theory. He didn't call it an accident, he called it an incident, which is very different, right? Because mm -hmm. an accident means. There, there wasn't, it wasn't intentionally released. Incident, right, that diction there, leaves the possibility of that open. I would argue that it was a Freudian slip on his part because I think the heart of the issue, what you're talking about, and really goes to the broader issue of the Chinese Communist Party, which, was, which is that they can't just inflict damage here in the United States acting independently. They're always relying upon the American right. establishment to kind of commingle with them and create, whether it's bioweapons, uh, whether it's economic... It's Chaos, a merger. you name We're it, right? At a merger. It's elite merger. It's not, it's not elite compromise. It's elite merger. Yes. And the NIH, I mean, they were listed on the Wuhan Institute of Virology website as one of the foremost partners. You can read the studies, read the primary documents, and you can see the grant money from Fauci. It was not just designated as going to Peter Doshak and EcoHealth Alliance. It was directly given to, I will say it correctly for you, Sure, Jung Lee and yeah. other Wuhan Institute of Virology yeah. researchers. Believe and me, they've I, erased time, these studies. Every but. time you say it, by the way, on the air, I always, I always remember that phone call. <laughs> I said, I, I realized that Natalie Winters, all she cares about is getting it right. She just yes. wants to get it right. So if I know, hey, I know a guy who speaks Mandarin, I'll call him. Well, how do you say this again? How do I get it right? Because you, and we've you been actually, right all the time. We, we've been right all the time. <laughs> I'm getting but, tired of being right. But what right. we're seeing here. I think absolutely number one is a limited hangout because they're giving us Wuhan to protect Fauci, to protect NIH, to protect Barrick, to protect all of this. But on the bigger part here, and before we switch gears in the next segment to go to talk Ukraine, that they're also trying to set up a situation where we talk about it like it was an incident, but we get the CCP off the hook when they owe us billions, if not trillions of dollars for the tens of thousands of lives lost, for the, the economic man hours lost, for everything that was lost to us in all of this time, all of these lives, the destruction that was wreaked upon the world, the fact that they did this, and it seems like they're getting away with it. Of course, and it's always been, I would argue, about recalculating what the problem is about COVID. They want to make it about pandemic prevention and mass vaccination and power by the government exactly. and not about taking down the CCP. And that's honestly why they have quashed the lab leak theory and promoted this natural origins theory to push for pandemic prevention, which is, I would argue, one of the largest rackets known 100%. to mankind. So in the next segment here, we are going to talk about another racket that's coming up. It's called war. <laughs> Stay tuned.
There are no leaders to charge. There's no one to hold to account just yet. And if nobody ever arrests Vladimir Putin and his group, what does justice look like? Well, at this stage, the investigation is the most important thing. Uh, accountability is a long-term process. World War II, Germany was still holding a war crimes trials as recently as last year. Uh, same thing is happening in Yugoslavia for the crimes that were committed decades ago. So at this stage, it's about collecting the evidence, preparing cases for when the opportunity presents itself, either a regime change in, in Russia or somebody travels outside of uh, uh, into Europe uh, on a vacation or a visit. They can never escape accountability, no matter how long it takes. And we're back here live from CPAC with Libby Emmons, as well as Natalie Winters, the best of human events and the best of the war room. Now, Libby, I wanted to get into here this this huge breaking story that we mm -hmm. put out this week about Alexander Vindman, the receipts that we dropped on Lieutenant Colonel Chow Thief himself. And by the way, I don't know if you saw, but he's very, very upset with us on Twitter. I did he's see very that. Angry. Yeah, so, he doesn't seem to like that so, we exposed this. So walk this. us through what actually happened. What were the receipts that we dropped? And then I'll explain his response. Okay. So Alexander Vindman uh, was seeking a lucrative defense contract from the U.S. in uh, Apparently from he's Ukraine, still think, rather. seeking, by the way. Apparently yeah, he's still he's seeking. he's still working on this. To, um, he calls it philanthropic. I'm sorry. He calls it philanthropic. <laughs> He wanted to use with uh, Trident support, pitched a deck on Ukraine Weapons System Sustainment Center to address problems with Ukraine's weapons management. And this would be to repair um, machinery and equipment and weapons that were coming in from NATO and to then get them out to the front lines on Ukraine. He wanted so wait, wait, to. So what you're saying is he wants defense contracts. He wants defense contracts. Specifically mm -hmm. for these vehicles, these tanks that we hear that we're sending to Ukraine. Yeah. He's saying, look, these are American. These are NATO tanks. We need American hands and American business yep. working on this to funding the resupply, the maintenance on these tanks. And who better, who better to receive the maintenance contracts than, than Alexander, Alexander Vindman himself and his brother, Yevigny Vindman, and all of these people that played a role in starting the war themselves, shall I say, an overblown role, an outsized role in starting the war, because, of course, they worked to destabilize the relationship between the U.S., Ukraine, and Russia that mm -hmm. led us to this point. He was he lied to the government during the impeachment trial of President Trump. About we the perfect this, phone call. About the very perfect, perfect phone, call. phone call. At a time, it, and it, it, it's, it's like a whole other explanation of, remember, Vindman's, or excuse me, Zelensky at the time stood by President Trump. Right. But we didn't believe him then. But now we're supposed to believe that everything Zelensky says is gospel. But this is the same guy that you said we shouldn't believe during Trump's impeachment. Yes, that's right. Explain because that Zelensky was uh, at the time, I think it was 2019, and he mm. was talking about the phone call. He was, uh, you know, saying that it was just a conversation about why the prosecutor had been uh, fired. The why was the prosecutor fired? Why was the prosecutor fired? Trump wanted to know why the prosecutor was fired after um, Joe Biden had pressured Ukraine to fire this prosecutor who was allegedly looking into withholding his, a billion dollar yeah, IMF loan, withholding money um, to telling the Ukraine government to fire a prosecutor who was investigating an energy company on whose board his son Hunter sat. Uh, Biden went on, did interviews. He bragged about his um well, withholding of, of this fun, this money, he bragged about getting Ukraine to fire this prosecutor, and then now it's denied. Trump came in and 
um, wanted to know more details about that. And there were allegations that money was withheld because of that. Um, and ev- suddenly they, they, and what this they did was, was they flipped whole, around. Yeah. They flipped it around so that the very thing that Biden did, they mm-hmm. impeached President Trump for. For, exactly. exactly. So exactly. here's Vinman's response. He writes, to, on my piece, which was I'm running, what did he call it? The, the, the UK SWC, or UK WSSC. And he writes, thanks for the advert. I'm trying to get logistics in place to help Ukraine win the war and secure America. It doesn't ever explain how that works. It doesn't make any then sense. Says, I'm looking for philanthropic contributions to get it going, which means he didn't get the contract. He did not get the, the $12 million dollars then, in initial funding. Reach out if you support the cause of democracy and U.S. national security. Then in the follow-up tweet, attorneys, is there a defamation suit here? What is say something, by I, the way? This is not a defamation not a suit great, situation. Not a great legal strategy if you're admitting that the thing I accused you of is true and then turning around and claiming that it's defamation. Yeah, that doesn't exactly work. I, mean, I know there's some lefty judges out there, but just saying, man, not, not, not a, the kind of – there's a, there's a line in the Bible of building your house on sand. I, I don't go to, yeah, don't even try it, child thief. But please, if you want to go, Alexander, this is between me. If you want to do – Please sue human events so that we can get discovery on all of your communications with the Ukrainian government going back five years. Please, please sue us. I'm not going to say that. Sorry. <laughs> technically my boss here. Um, yeah, but, but, it's, but Natalie, it's really so you're, you're hearing this, you. you're digging oh, into ahead. this. Uh, what is your sense of it? Is, is How brazen is it to have the guy... The very guy who started this thing, now involved in tr- – apparently he wasn't even, even able to do it, which is actually just funny in its own right – was trying to profit off of the very war he started. Well, this is actually a very interesting story because there was a wonderful Guardian article – I got to tweet this out of while, while we're talking about uh, That it. came out a few days ago that was talking about how Alexander Vindman is actually not an anomaly, but there's been a trend in the United States – where dozens of people who really are the swamp personified, right, people like Alexander Vindman, uh, but these lobbying shops, Republicans and Democrats, have been registering as pro bono foreign agents on behalf of Ukraine, saying that what they're doing is basically a philanthropic venture. They're just trying to kind of help raise Ukraine's profile here in the West, uh, get them armaments, but really, I would argue, get them propagandistic media coverage here in the United States and shape opinions. But what's so interesting And what this investigation uncovered and what we had, of course, broken at the war room a few months prior is that these same lobbying firms that are registering allegedly pro bono on behalf of Ukraine, well, their other clients are actually basically the military industrial Mm -hmm. complex, Boeing, Raytheon, the companies who are profiting from the continuation of this forever war. And I'll take this story even a step further and, of course, tied to the Chinese Communist Party, because what else would I do? But a lot of these lobbying firms are also the same companies that are working on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party, whether directly uh, embassies, foreign embassies, but also these kind of foreign influence groups like the China United States Exchange Foundation. And why that's so relevant and important is because besides the Ukrainian oligarchs and people like maybe Alexander Vindman, although it sounds like his business endeavors aren't going too well, the number one beneficiaries of Ukraine turning into a forever war is the Chinese Communist Party, right? Because the United States... Well, it's sort States- of fascinating, too, because now we're seeing um, China had put out their intent, you know, they had like a 12-point peace plan, which I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. But also there was talk about China supplying Russia 
with weapons. So then what we have is this war between Ukraine and Russia turns into a war between the U.S., China, and Russia. And that seems to be exactly the kind of thing we should be seeking to not get ourselves involved in. This is like political illiteracy because... If you understand the, the state of the world right now, and we, we talk about this on War Room and on human events every day, there are three great powers in the world, mm-hmm. three great powers, three nuclear, et cetera, right? They have these massive nuclear arsenals. There's America, there's the U.S., excuse me, America, Russia, China, right? Count America, twice. Russia, China. <laughs> and if you are the U.S., you want to do everything you can to isolate the CCP yes. and break up the CCP's relationship with Russia. And instead what we're doing is driving them closer together. Instead of driving them together and then demonizing both of them at the same time. Right. Into an alliance. And also we have China pressuring Saudi Arabia to sell oil in uh, Yuan. Of course. Which is a huge problem, of course. You have China uh, soliciting Russia to buy oil from, from them instead. You know, especially after the U.S. basically blew up the pipelines to Europe. Um, yeah, it really seems like we are telling our enemies that they should unify fully against us in every conceivable sphere, economically, Natalie, socially, Natalie, and is, with weapons. How, is the C- how does the CCP, with this type of, of profiteering that we're seeing from Vinman here, this is the very same type of thing you see with CCP money, isn't it? Of course. I always say that the way that the Chinese Communist Party has overtaken the United States is through the lobbying firms, is through the law firms, and not just because they have them on retainer, right? So they're advocating for them, whether it's the embassy itself or front groups like the China United States Exchange Foundation, all these very nice-sounding groups, which their motives are, are certainly not nice. But the other, I think, more nefarious aspect to it is that these lobbying firms, their other clients, not just are big business, which, of course, they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them, the Chinese Communist Party, but they also work for the military-industrial complex. And like I was telling Libby, the biggest, I would say, beneficiaries of Ukraine turning into a forever war is the Chinese Communist Party because it's just a waste of more and more, not just American taxpayer dollars, but I think we're going to get to the point where it becomes Americans' lives, uh, as Zelensky has demanded, and he seems uh, to always get what he wants. We're going to talk about that so, in the very next segment, but but I do I'm also want to. So good, just I do, you're, you're you teeing me up. You're just teeing me you up. Know? It's almost you're like welcome. we pre-planned this or something. <laughs> but what I do want to also point out, though, is that there is a third audience that I think a lot of people are missing in terms of all of this. It's not just you know Russia and China and then the U.S. There's also the concept of the global South. There is this this which is a. Had, by the way, population-wise, is far exceeds the global north. So you're talking South, South America, you're talking Africa, you're talking India, you're talking Southeast Asia, South Asia, right? All of these countries are looking to see who is going to come out on top of this. Uh, who do we want to work with? Do we want to work with the people that are constantly talking about war, 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 destruction, and oh, by the way, your kids are going to be marching with the drag queens, or do we want to work with the people that, okay, maybe we don't like how China runs their country, maybe we don't like how Russia runs their country, but you know what, they don't force that stuff on us. Well, and it is really interesting to me that the same leftists and progressives who claim that uh, colonialization is this terrible thing and cultural appropriation are terrible things are going out there into Africa and Rwanda, pushing abortion, pushing trans issues on all of these people that don't want it. They are they are culturally colonizing these places themselves with their own warped and perverted ideas. We are coming up on the end of the segment, but in the next, I want to get into a little controversy that happened this week involving a deep fake 
Joe Biden, something that I made, people got very, very upset about. Right back. So this week, I made a deep fake of Joe Biden <laughs> that, that got a little bit of attention. Um, uh, Newsweek, Snopes, USA Today, uh, they're very, very upset with me because I'm, what I did was I kind of dialed the, the, the calendar forward about a year, and I had Biden coming up and saying, in order to meet Russia's illegal occupation of Ukraine, and China's blockade of Taiwan, I am now instituting the Selective Service Act. Anyone who turns 20 years old male as of calendar year 2023, male, female, or other, or other. <laughs> yeah. will now be required to register for service Very with nice. the United States military. And people <laughs> lost their minds because I, saw, I said where they're going, and I showed everyone. And so people were saying, well, how, you know, and I had people on the right who said, how could you do that? Why would you make something like this? And they said, and I, and I said, first of all, first of all, it's, we're trying to prevent World War III. Okay, we're trying to prevent the military uh, industrial complex and Joe Biden from doing this. But second of all, this, this is my best response. They said, well, could you imagine if someone did that to Trump? <laughs> Said, oh really? You mean the media, you mean lie if the media might Trump? lie about Donald Trump? Oh no! <laughs> oh no! And, but this is what I'm saying: is that conservatives have to stop being scared of the Washington Post writing you up, the, the yes. CNN writing you up, Jake Tapper writing you up, Snopes, Newsweek, Wikipedia, Google. I don't screw all of them. They're going to do what they're going to do, but they have no power unless you give it to them. I oh, good. That was a All right, we are back question. here with Libby Emmons, Natalie Winters, side, uh, the sidelines of CPAC. Very excited. So you just heard uh, that speech. That was me on stage earlier today at CPAC. And what I was talking about on, on a, a two-front basis was this idea of why it was that we came up with and, and produced and scripted and released this deep fake of Joe Biden this week. And we decided to make a deep fake of Joe Biden, instituting the national draft, the Selective Service Act, which, by the way, Natalie, uh, since you mentioned so graciously earlier in the show that you just turned 22, so did you know that everyone from 20 to 25 is in the first batch for the Selective Service Act, and that's men and women? Oh, no. Zelensky's going to get his wish. Exactly. So, <laughs> He's going to meet me. So we actually, when, when we did this, <laughs> I pulled the Selective Service Act language, and I even went to the website um, to see, okay, well, how does it work, right? So there's a lottery, and it starts, if, it starts in calendar year 2023. It starts at 20, then it goes to 21, then it goes to? 22. 22. <laughs> then 23, 24, 25, and it goes on from there until they reach their quotas. And so Natalie Winters, how does it? And, and Wait, but what's going to happen, though? Because if Steve goes to jail and I have to go fight in Ukraine, who's going to host the war room? Libby, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you up to? <laughs> Hey, I'm around. You're around. Libby's around. We got. I, Libby, I'm not even covered me. by the Selective Service yeah, Act. I haven't been. <laughs> so. Yeah, I haven't been. I haven't <laughs> raided yet. But but what I did was to I made this video as a way. It's obviously political commentary. It's obviously satire. It's it's the same thing, by the way, that SNL does every single weekend when they find an actor who looks like the president goes up there and has them say something. And I came on even in the video itself and explained what you just saw, but. They got so mad. They, they lost their minds. They said, well, that wasn't comedy. Said, so what? Right? No, it was, it was commentary. 
to make a point that that is what we are headed to. But I want to actually ask this question from a different angle. Natalie, for, for Zoomers that are in that age range I just talked about, 20 to 25, <laughs> what do you think would actually happen to your generation if suddenly Biden got up there and gave this announcement? And by the way, in the video, because we really dialed, the, um, we really dialed it up, he actually says, nobody caught this, but he says, in response to Russia's occupation of Kiev and China's blockade of Taiwan. So the idea is that it would be a two-front global conflict, which is Mearsheimer's warning that we are currently headed towards. What do you think would be the effect of your generation, 20 to 25, this calendar year, if they heard that they were being conscripted to go off to fight Russia and China at the same time? Well, I love getting questions about my generation because I never get to talk about my generation. <laughs> and it's funny that you bring up uh, Professor Mearsheimer because when I was a student at the University of Chicago, I actually took a class of his. Wow. So he is my old professor, uh, the only person I learned well, anything from. This explains from. it. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> this is the actual origin story of where Nat Natalie Winters, well, no, a student no, no, no. of Mearsheimer. I have to, to dox myself because it was during COVID and I actually didn't attend a single class because it was virtual. I was too busy doing war room. But uh, to, to answer your question, but res highly respect uh, Professor Mearsheimer. That's probably my biggest regret in life that I didn't go to any of his classes. Oh, man. Um, but because of the Chinese Communist Party, by the way. But see, so yeah, I was doing other good stuff, so I don't, I don't feel that bad. But um, yeah, exactly. It was just the CCP, so they could keep me out of his uh, his mm. class. But you know, I don't even know. I think my generation is is so detached from reality, and I don't just even mean that in terms of the worldviews that they hold, right? Whether they're socialists, right. I just mean I don't even think that they actually understand the implications, whether it be geopolitics. Uh, on their own lives, and I think that if you know news that they would be drafted into this kind of two-front war would come to them via TikTok, I think they're so desensitized to just everything. That's kind of my sense that I get when yeah, I no, talk to 100%. people. I feel like you'd have to go know. get people. I think like you'd actually have to go to people's houses and get them. And I don't think that they would know that they are supposed to show up and the, do anything. The sad part too, I think, you know. I didn't graduate high school that long ago, so I sort of know the narratives, right, that they're pushing in these classrooms. And you can see in the polling, right, I think we've hit record lows in terms of the number of Americans who are actually proud to be American. Right. And I would argue that's part of the Chinese Communist Party's, you know, unrestricted and unconventional warfare Which tactic. TikTok, by the way, is a huge part of. Yeah. Um, so I think that people would not show up. I think people, it's not that they wouldn't want to fight in the war because they don't want to die or, oh, you know, I don't know if it's worth it. They don't want to defend America. Um, I, I think that's the fundamental issue. And we say this as they'd be probably seeing this on TikTok, which is, of course, the well, and, and control the thing app. Well, and the thing, with the generation, with Zoomers that I see, it seems like they go to TikTok and they say, oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that happened. But there's no sense of connection to anything that's going on. Oh, that's crazy Trump won. Oh, that's crazy Jansen. Well, we happened. saw this oh, with that this. Uh, horrible shooting and in St. Louis. There was no connection to what was going on. And that, well, and that was live. That was live. That it was, was a person right. was using the phone as an interface to reality and did not feel that they had any impact on reality. I mean, I'm, I'm no Joe Allen. He's our transhumanism yes. guy at the war room. He's very smart, but... I think it is an interesting There's convergence an of yeah. reality and the metaverse, and it really dissociates you um, from what's going on, and well, that's, yeah. that's the point. It's, there's a sense of it's, it's unreality. Well, Colombia, the country of Colombia, just held a um, legal trial in the metaverse, which I think is absolutely a devastating turn of events for justice itself. Well, I mean, was that 
But you look at it, we've kind of been doing the same thing here when... During COVID. How, during with COVID, the, with how the, many trials yeah. did we have that were on Zoom? I think it's absolutely you know, unacceptable. NPC class, judges. Yeah. You know, it's like, and the judges are already yeah. NPCs, which, by the way, this is an <laughs> argument that Libby and I have all the time behind the scenes of um, what I always say, what's the difference between an AI writing something and an NPC writing something? Yeah, I... Uh, there isn't. <laughs> I think everyone has a soul, though. One you was know, created by God, I would yeah. argue. The other no, 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 no. I'm yes. not talking about the person versus the machine. I'm talking about the, just the content of the writing itself. If I go to one of those, and we were talking before about those like 20-something bloggers at the Times or whatever, <laughs> right, or one of these like somebody went to J school and you always know what they're going to write, you always know what their narrative is going to be, it's the exact same thing every time, that's an NPC. And so, you know, oh, CNN says that I need... 10 vaccinations and boosters and I need to turn my kid into a girl and all this because CNN says I saw it on TV, right? We literally have people who stayed in their homes for a year because the TV told them to. Well, the other so thing that's too, an Justin. NPC. So what's the difference between an NPC writing who can't think for themselves and an AI where you do the thinking for well, them? Well, that's why the same side supports, I think, it's not just indoctrination, but it's the destruction of critical thinking and the Correct. ability to think yes. for yourself. And that's why they also support AI. And, and um, that's why they got upset about my deepfake. Well, that's the thing about the deepfake, too, that's so important, right. is that people are not thinking critically about it. And Biden said um, just about a year ago that there would be no troops on the ground in Ukraine. But he also said that we wouldn't be sending tanks. Right. And he also said that we wouldn't be doing all of this other he stuff. Said, and uh, we're doing all of it. Tanks so would be World War Three. Yes, said that. he said that. So how long before he goes back on the promise of there being no troops on the ground? which now we do actually have troops on the ground because they go over there to help the Ukrainian military Apparently, figure out Alexander how to use Vindman the weapons trying to, trying to and do all of that of stuff. And there's also true that the U.S. is facilitating Ukraine's uh, targeting of the American missiles. Sure. So we're already heavily involved in this war. How long before they dema do demand, like Zelensky promised, well, let me ask you guys, that they, what do you, we send what do you think kit? about this broader question? There was actually one expert on you know, disinformation or whatever, communications, who actually basically had my back and said, I think this is a legitimate use of this technology for political commentary. Do you think that it is legitimate to use this type of stuff to, and you know, Natalie's point, to get attention, we only have 90 seconds left, but we can carry this over, um, to get people's attention to have this discussion, or is it completely inappropriate to actually you know, go on offense and put points on the board? I think it's I think it's acceptable. I think it's an acceptable use of the technology. I think it is important to say that this is, you know, technologically generated and is not actually, uh, you know, a tape of what Biden said. But I do think that it's a perfectly good use of the technology for satire um, and to expose what's going on. I think the issue when it comes to the regulation of this stuff and when you say, oh, well, you got to slap a label on it, you have to very clearly say it's parody, it's humor, that sort of goes against the whole point of parody and, and humor and comedy. But I also think it's it's sort of like the Russia collusion hoax. I think it's offensive to the American people, and it's saying that you're too dumb to actually be able to decide what's real, what's right. fake. And I think that is sort of, again, the Freudian slip part on the part of the establishment, that it shows you how idiotic well, it's they kind of like are. It's kind of like the establishment saying, no, you're not allowed to, uh, to lie about your political opponents. Oh, Only yeah. we're allowed to lie yeah. about our political opponents. Because I, yeah. I even saw some conservatives, and they said to me, Oh, well, how would you like it if they did that to you? I'm like, where have you been for the last 10 <laughs> yeah, years? What's been going on? How would I like it if the media lied about me and my friends and the people on our political? Have you seen how what they you do like to Steve Bannon? Yeah. Have you seen what they say about us every What they're probably saying about us right now as we're filming this at CPAC? It's ridiculous. <laughs>
So it's it's like it's like what Andrew Breitbart said. He's like they're gonna do, they have two moves. They call you a Nazi. They call you Timothy McVeigh, and and that's all they do. And they now think that's going to stop you. Now spreader. it's misinformation It's kind of like in between. <laughs> you know, Nina Yankovic raising money. But we're gonna come back. Final segment here. Jack Posobiec, Libby Emmons, Natalie Winters. Stay tuned. All right, final segment here. CPAC, Natalie Winters, Libby Emmons, guys, and and you guys are as much prognosticators. You've gotten so much right over the last couple of years as as anybody out there and I would put you up I would put up your records as journalists against anyone in the mainstream media anyone on MSNBC anyone on CNN anyone New York Times Guardian any of this I would I would say let's go pound for pound Let's actually match records, see who's got right and who didn't. Well, Jack, I have to say, you know, the New York Times has crowned War Room the number one spreader of misinformation. You got to pick up the slack. You got to I, I was 10. so upset. I was <laughs> no. I would say though that it's been my contributions to War Room that really put it over. <laughs> We're the top. drifting off of you. We're yeah, riding so your anytime, coattails. Anytime I come on, it's like, all right, what's the big lie? today but there was you had because you had the the crown and the, you, libby you missed it yeah, that natalie was really had the cute. crown i saw and the that sash. actually yeah, a very great. nice member of the war room policy had it made and got it got a tiara and it, that was that was so actually i love the war room posse we do love the war room <laughs> yes. posse but 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 when i when i say prognostication where are we going with all of this where is you know and and actually let me ask libby first because you you have a mind for trends in media as you are in media yourself where do you see this type of journalism going because you know is, is the website dead is the blog dead is journalism now a personal thing what's the next thing that will drop the next thing that will drop in journalism i think we're going to see a lot more deep fake stuff going on i yeah. think that's for sure um i i really like the rise of the citizen journalist who goes out and covers things in their local area and as we have the decline of local newspapers, um, I think that's so important, you know, that uh, people record and document what they're doing in their own areas. I think we should see a lot more of that. And I think that the, you know, the burgeoning outlets really need to dig into what's going on and really need to expose people come the... up to me every day and they say, how can I make an impact? And I say... Get a press credential in your town. And just go for it. And just go to just the town Just go meeting. report on things. Go, <laughs> look what Alex Stein turned that in. He turned that right. whole career into crashing those meetings. But, He's running for school board in it, Texas. I love it. I love it. God bless. God bless the primetime 99. But, but it, you know, and you look at, like, Natalie, what you've been able to do with your journalism, it's the stories are out there. So how can people, you know, when they sit back and they come and say, how do I get involved? What do I do? How do I get started? People come up to me here at CPAC. They say, here's my card. I have this thing. I have that thing. What would your advice to those people be? Because you've done it, obviously. Yeah. You know, three three years ago, uh, I was still living in L.A. and I just graduated high school. And, you know, now look where I am. And it's people... I, I remember the first night <laughs> that I met you at Trump D.C., with Tanya was there, and we were with sort of like the MAGA DC I knew nothing. crew, yeah. <laughs> and it was we used to hold these MAGA meetups, you know, every it was like every Wednesday or something, and we would just sort of, you know, yeah. people would come around and meet, and someone said, "Hey, this is Natalie, she's gonna be, she's gonna be great. <laughs> I want you to, you know, you know, keep an eye on her while she's working here in DC." I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> and yeah, we'll see, whatever. And you know, I I made sure never to shut that door though. But you know what's so interesting? Because you know, when we meet. 
the war room posse that are always so nice and they say, Natalie, you know, you're so good at your job, you're so good at reporting. And I always say, I'm actually not. And what I what I mean by that is that I'm just lucky because I am so young. I don't have any conflicts of interest, right? I haven't gone through journalism school. I haven't worked on the Hill. I haven't been a foreign lobbyist, right? I don't right. have any of those conflicts of interest, so I can just report. Alexander Vindman hasn't hired you for his uh, defense contracting firm yet. Hey, I'm very happy at War Room, but you never know. No, <laughs> um, but I, I think that's the point. And, you know, take the issue of, and my point is, get involved. And if election fraud is so rampant and so widespread, which we know it is, right? We all live in the United States. Most of us probably do. So there's election fraud going on in your community. So go out and find it, right? That's yes. what we saw happen in the, the midterms. And of course, you know you're doing something right when the mainstream media loses their collective, I don't want to say mind because they don't have one, but their, their NPC, chat GPT bot, the NPC, AI yeah, mind. The brain goes down um, but I, they I think targeting you. That's, find, find some aspect, something that's going on. You know, under, watch War Room, watch shows like yours to understand the bigger meta narratives about what's happening, right? The weaponization of government election fraud, the origins of COVID, and that's happening. It trickles down. It permeates into your community, too, on a local level, which I would almost argue is more important because it's these stories together that form the broader narratives. But become a whistleblower. Find the fraud. You know, get involved. It doesn't, it's not just writing a check. It's right. also, it also but... can be, like, really simple, which is in so many facets of our lives, we are told by mainstream, mainstream media, we're told by even friends and family to just lie about things, right? We were told to lie about uh, vaccine efficacy. We were told to lie about masks. We're told to lie and tell people that they can actually become the opposite sex. We're told to lie to kids about, you know, their gender and sexuality as well. And just refuse to lie, you know, stay, speak the truth. Tell others to speak the truth. Refuse to lie, refuse to believe imagine, lies, and stand on those words. Imagine being a normie and having to walk around with the amount of just lies that you have to live by so every much, day. It's like so much and confusion. It's, it, it's actually happened to me a few times where I've met people, you know, just out in the world who recognize me and they'll come up and it's like a breath of fresh air because they know they can just talk. They just, they don't have to they, make that stuff I'm not up. going to, you know, attack them for using the wrong pronoun or if you said the r word or if you did this or that i don't care right because they know that i've been through that pain box situation and i don't care about that world mm -hmm. is that th by the way this is what it was like living in the soviet union and you guys know my wife she tells us stories about it that there are certain conversations where like you would have to go outside of the house and make sure nobody's around and whisper just yes. to be able to talk so that's what freedom of speech actually means in, in a broader sense is that it's the ability, and they, they talk about this in, in Orwell, that it's, it's not so much that the party can compel your speech. It is that they will actually control your language, they will control your, thought, your thoughts, and that you have like this little sensor living inside your mind that you can't talk about, or if you were to use, I don't know, like emojis on Twitter, just to describe somebody, and then you get kicked out of a sorority. A clown emoji talking yeah. about clownish transgender people. But that's, <laughs> it's calling reality for what it is, and I think that's why people dovetails with what we were talking about before, right? When they see people like you, people like Steve, it's like an affirmation that they're not crazy. And people it's okay don't to be want normal. to feel crazy. It's, it's okay to be normal. Yeah. And yeah, frankly, 
what even is normal nowadays? You know, they keep changing the definitions. They change the definition, definitions on pandemic, vaccine efficacy, gender, really any word. Um, there's a so there's a 4chan phrase that I'm just going to have to throw out because it's, it's very... Oh, no. Like typical 4chan <laughs> phrases. Don't worry, it won't get us too canceled. But it's, uh, it's, it's just very powerful. It's very short. It's very punchy. And it just says, you will never be a real woman. Well, you will never like, ne- And they have, like, hats. And, and it's, they even made a deep fake of Biden saying this. And it's, it's these sort of phrases where you hear it, and everybody knows it's true. Everybody knows it's true. And you're not supposed Nobody to say anything about it. Disagree with it. Can I say something controversial? Say it, about Dylan Mulvaney it. is ugly. <gasps> Get out. Get out. Security. <laughs> she looks weird. Security. <laughs> she looks weird. He, they, whatever. It's offensive as a woman. It's, wait, how? Wait, I don't find, I don't find topic, Dylan Mulvaney offensive, like, from a female perspective. But I, in terms of, like, you're not a woman, which obviously he's not a woman. But what I find so offensive about Mulvaney is the 100 Days of Girlhood, where he said that he's, like, emerging yes. as a girl. Yes. And, like, if you're not born a girl, if you don't grow up a girl, you're just not a girl and you're never going to be a woman. And it doesn't make... Uh, it doesn't make any sense well, to lie to Libya, people about who they are and what their status is. It, also, you don't get to control how other people view you. I'm really sick of this whole thing where you're supposed to, like, address people by how they would like to be addressed personally based on their own delusions and manifestations. I'm done with that one. There's a, bigger, there's a bigger point, and you made this recently, when you made some pretty controversial comments on TimCast. Did with, I? With James Younger. Oh, uh, I didn't think that was even re- controversial. surrogacy. Right. Where, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly, you called surrogacy an abomination. It is an about Commercial surrogacy. Commercial surrogacy. Is an entire abomination. But doesn't this dovetail with that, in a sense? Because aren't you commodifying womanhood? You're this commodifying that, womanhood. You're commodifying reproductive right. materials. But I'm saying both. Yes. Right. With the Dylan Mulvaney and with this. Yes. You're, you're just commodifying being a woman into, which, by the way, totally goes against the whole we're ruled by the patriarchy argument, because if to be a woman or to use uh, feminine um, surrogacy options, then obviously women have more power like, right. or more empowered because if <laughs> it's the whole narrative in 2016 that like. The women are oppressed. Right. If you That's don't want to be right, a woman, right. it sucks. You're going to get, like, you know, Patriarchy. raped on the college campus just yeah, if you yeah, yeah, step yeah. outside. Like, like UVA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the it's U- crazy. UVA rape and case this was, they had to come up with a fake and this, yeah. account. Yeah. It. And this was, like, way after Camille Paglia, who I think is a very pioneering and intelligent woman, uh, fought to get rid of curfews for women on her college campus. And when she was talking to Jordan Peterson, this was some years ago, she said that they were looking for the freedom to take that risk, to take the risk. Maybe they would get raped, but they wanted the freedom to take their own risks. And wow. now women are saying that they don't want the freedom to take the risks. They want to punish everybody when things get screwed up. And they're saying that men are women. And it's at the absolutely same time, a cognitive dissonance situation. And not only are the, are, are the curfews coming back, but this segregation. Segregation. Segregation yep. is coming back, but it's good segregation. These are good curfews. Well, like, and there are some men we, that are allowed into the women's spaces, uh, yeah, so long as they put their hair in pigtails and just act cute and say they're lesbians. We're, we're coming up on our final minute. Where can people go to follow you guys? Uh, incredible work, as always. Thank you so much for your time today. Let people know how to follow you. I am Natalie G. Winters on basically all the social media platforms, and of course, always tune into War Room to watch me. Co-host and executive edit. What's the G stand for? 
It's my middle name, Grace. Oh, I like oh, that's that. That's really nice. Natalie that. Grace Winters. I can't so take good. any credit for it, but that's I think so it's a good name. That's so good. Thank you, Mom and Dad. You can find me at Libby Emmons on Twitter, and you can come check out all the great work we're doing every day at thepostmillennial.com and humanevents.com. All right, folks, so remember, just a great roundtable here. If you were here at CPAC, uh, it's been a fantastic event. We've had amazing speakers, great connections. Make sure you stay tuned. Human Events Daily, we're going to be doing these every single Sunday. Day in, day out. Follow these women. This is the future of journalism that you're seeing right before you. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay a short.